Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About The Weather, political discussion that from the outside may just look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk about this week's news and politics. Yes we are, and how most importantly, my boy won the best of the Super Juniors. Takahashi. Oh, Takahashi won. Yeah, Hiromu Takahashi won, and I love him, I love him with all my heart. Um, I think I sent you a picture of him with the trophy yep. and his scrapbook of all the friends he made along the way. <laughs> I love him so much, he's just the best. He makes me so happy. He's going to set up a wrestling, wrestling federation called Wrestling and Friendship. Yes, like so much about wrestling makes me upset and sad mm. and d- disappointed in myself for enjoying it. And then, like I sent you that video of um, the Golden Lovers reuniting to find me somebody to love. <laughs> and it was beautiful. Or oh, it's Takahashi winning and hugging his teddy bear, his little cat. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, everything's great. But yeah, other than that, it's been shit. Um, today's <laughs> oh, yeah. been the day of Brexit. Brexit uh, Remainers making us like lose our minds. I don't know what happened. There's like a critical mass. Like every once every like two. It's too weeks. hot. They're, they're missing out on <laughs> sleep. I haven't slept well for the last couple of nights. They haven't slept, and so they've decided to just come out with all their opinions that they think are normal. You know things like, did you know that Brexit is all they know how to do is fix TVs and fit carpet, whereas Remainers such intellectual luminaries like Eddie Marsden. Um, <laughs> <you know>, fucking... <laughs> well, there was that, there was that um, tweet that Jeremy Corbyn put out today about like, but a boil, like boilerplate like disaster response thing saying, really feel for all oh, the people for the volcano in who Guatemala. have been caught up and, d- and died and lost loved ones in the volcano in Guatemala. In many ways, and, like a Guatemalan whose house has been set on fire by lava, I feel like that. I feel politically hopeless because of what Jeremy Corbyn has done. Of course... There are fault lines across the world. None may be quite as big as the fault line between Remainers and Brexiteers that's ready to explode in a volcano of fiscal irresponsibility. Oh. <laughs> no, usually when he does those, there's a few. I, I look at them occasionally and there's a, there'll be a few like, mm. oh, Jeremy sold Brexit. Yeah. Um, this time I kept scrolling. And I took a few screenshots, you know, let's have a laugh on the old Twitter. Mm. Um, kept scrolling, <laughs> kept scrolling, kept scrolling. And like, I'm pretty sure there were people like, you know, there's Corbynistas who will like, uh, like, go, like reply to every one of them oh, yeah, saying, definitely. what are you doing? You're a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you've got more fucking stamina than I have because mm-hmm. I physically couldn't keep scrolling no. down the number of people going, oh, is this to distract from Brexit? Yeah. <laughs> it's mad. Like, I think we were going to do an EU Italy, because there's been events in Italy. And I think we'll EU, do an EU episode next week. And I think we'll do it next week, because there's other things we want to do this week. I but... hate the EU, though. That's the thing. Like, I had a problem with the fucking EU referendum in the fucking first place, because it was a difficult question for me, because I fucking despise it. Yeah. I despise, like, Farage more. Yeah. Um... But these people, these fucking people. It's it's mad. It's 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 just gone into this constant high pitched whine. Mm, um, and and this... it hasn't changed either. There's been no there's been no proper like tactical thought on their part. Because oh, no, they they're said so, the same thing. Because they're so disparate and they're united, it's more of a culture war than it is mm. anything. So it's a lot of individuals firing off missives mm. constantly. And it's nothing about that discourse, nothing about that message is changing. It's, it's um, exactly the I same as it was the day after the referendum. The Gremlin thing, pushing it again. Of this is his, 
This is his Iraq war. Oh yeah, this is I view I view um, the uh, Brexit and Jeremy Corbyn the same way people view Blair and Iraq, and it's like fuck off. Well, no, it, just it's fuck off. For his level of middle class liberal, mm. this affects him more. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Mm. They're completely devoid of all empathy. They only, it only comes down to what affects them personally. And it's like they, they know a lot about... They, they keep touting how much they know, how like intellectual, how, how much knowledge they have. And it's like, yeah, you have knowledge of processes. You don't have any kind... You don't seem <laughs> no. to have any kind of... De- no, hold on. You don't seem to have any kind of desire to learn how those processes actually work in real life. I don't even think they know that because they don't even know enough to take a competent selfie. Let alone like <laughs> anything else. They talk. They talk a, a big talk about how they understand how customs unions work. It's like, how can you not take a picture of yourself where you don't look like you're about to eat a baby? <laughs> but yeah, oh, I, I can't stand any of them. But yeah, like now, an e. yeah. I'm I'm full on now. Now, whenever people ask, I, I voted Brexit. Why did I vote Brexit? I mean, I'm not. I'm not at that stage. I am. Like, I'm I, saying I, I did. I, I'm saying I did because I, I'm not going to be lumped in with Remainers now. I don't really I'd rather to, be with yeah. the other the other people. It's way more I think it's way more like embarrassing and harmful to your like oh, to God. to your your inner self or whatever if they whatever. Think for one second to that be they're lumped gonna, in with remainers then if they think for one second if there was a second vote that they're going to win people over to their side mm. by saying things like well this man came over to fix my TV and I managed to you know I locked the door and convinced him that he was an idiot <laughs> and that he should vote remain and now he's a remainer it's like or oh, he said it to get out or and he's it now didn't twice happen. the Brexiteer he was before. Yeah, because he was locked inside by a manic-eyed fucking Remainer. But no, it's just oh, I hate it's Twilight liberalism, mate. End of the end of the end of history. No, it isn't. Yeah, it is. It's just going to get worse. It's the end it's of no, no. Worse. That's that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing about the end of the mm. end of the end of history. It only gets worse from here on in. We've got break them with argument. And discussion, which is what we're going to be having today. Can't I just like start a bunch of coordinated fires? <laughs> yeah. Can we not start like a secondary uh, forum? They're perfect for forums because they would just keep going on and on. If we could get some mm. kind of forum just for Remainers and like draw them away from my Twitter timeline, <laughs> that'd be no, they'll really still get, good. They'll still get posted on your Twitter timeline. Like they'll, one of those, um, fl- like one of those flyer tractors in a kebab shop. Yeah, just have yeah. one of them. Well, it, it uh, well. No, I just no, mm-hmm. no. If there's a second referendum, I'm voting double Brexit. <laughs> You'll vote twice. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna vote as many times as I can. I'm gonna over vote over once again. for Remain and once for Brexit <laughs> because I'm a radical. Because I'm a person. radical centrist. <laughs> so normal it hurts. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. What um, else happened this week other than like today? That being just baffling amount of Brexit bullshit. So we had some stuff last week. You were ill. Yeah, because you infected you, me with I disease. I infected you with, you, with disease mm. um, and a lot of syndromes and uh, some serious stuff. Mm. Uh, we'll start this week with Lush Cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Not Lush Cops. Um, there are, I'm sure there are some Lush... There are loads. Some fucking Lush Cops out there. there well, but, there are loads that are Lushes. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say they're Lush. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. you're fucking finding Cops attractive, you disgust me. <laughs> Um, is that one with a beard and all that? Yeah, you know. what, there's that one <laughs> cop with the yep. beard. You know, the one that got the picture taken of him. What, the rapist? He wasn't a rapist. Which one? That, We're trying was, to it was narrow down ago. which copper with the beard he's okay, talking about. right. Get me pictures of every cop in the Met. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go through this. But anyway, so Lush, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Lush did a thing where they did, did, 
they did the thing say they're like paid to lie? Wasn't that the thing? It was like a picture of a cop and it was like half undercover, half in its uniform and it said like cop yeah, paid to lie. They set up uh, windows displays in a lot of their shops with, uh, there was police tape across the window saying yeah. um, cops paid to, like spy cops, yeah, hashtag yeah. spy cops. There was windows set up and they had a big kind of, um, I, I think in some places it was a poster, some places it might have been one of those video posters. Yeah. Half with uh, a normal looking guy and half with them in the whole um, big hat and looking like a policeman. Mm-hmm. Um, this was ostensibly to draw attention to the um, spy cops inquiry mm. that's currently going on whereby uh, the Met and uh, other police forces set up Loads something called the SDS, yep. Special Demonstration Squad. To um, go undercover, mainly to rape with, to yeah, to mainly go undercover with anarchist, anti-racist, and environmental groups, um, and ingratiate themselves for a number of years. Sometimes uh, taking like partners, father and children, with women who they were lying about their identity to, and also to urge them on to more like direct action. Yeah, there was in one their protests. Like, would do things. Like, I'm sure I remember one story. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Like properly, the spy cops figure on another episode, but um, yeah. I'm sure I remember there's one of them who literally hired the van and like like was pretty it, it much was planning a, the thing, ready to get the. There is arrested. a there is a really good book. Um, I think it's called Undercover by. Um, sorry, I've got the name here because I looked it up because I knew I'd be saying it. Uh, Paul Lewis and Rob Evans uh, wrote a book a few years ago that I read um, about particularly a guy called Mark Kennedy who oh, yeah, um, went one. with Earth First in Nottingham. Yes, the one. Um, really recently as well. This is not hmm. like nineties. This is no, not no. like like late nineties swampy era no. stuff. This is like up until two thousand and fifteen, yeah. two thousand thirteen, two thousand fifteen. Gone in specifically to uh, report on their activities, and it seems in Mark Kennedy's case to urge them on to uh, take part in direct protests yeah. and um, like uh, they were going to occupy um, Radford on Saw uh, Power Station, which yeah. is up near, up near Nottingham. The one you see on the way in. Um, and yeah, Mark Kennedy was the guy who yes. you know he always had the they let he let them use his his house, his fake house. Yeah, real house, but piece his, of shit. His piece of shit, um, monster. Well, that man. The weird thing is, having read that book, most of the um, officers who were sent undercover ended up confessing. Mm. I'm not sure whether Mark Kennedy did because they, they they ended up confessing to the people who they were with because they ended up you know sympathising with what they were saying. Yeah, but they still raped a bunch of fucking women. They're that scumbags, is, of all course. Of yeah, so odd. Skin crawl, um, I was reading accounts of women who um, were in these groups, and there was one woman, most uh, anonymous. A few have come out and used their real names because they want to attach some. They just wanted to come out and put a make, human face, put a it. human face on it. Um, but you know, like they were saying, yeah, he's in a load of pictures of like my mum's wedding. Yeah, um, he's in the last video I ever had with my gran before she died, and you know, he's just gone now. That's it. Yeah. Um, they've recently... Uh, the inquiry is going to take years. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not going to report until about 2023. The judge has just ruled that the cops who actually took part uh, must remain anonymous. Of course they should. Of course they should, because it'd be because unfair. This is, because, I, I don't know if you know, this is a British state inquiry. <laughs> this is going to come out, and, you know, with Grenfell happening, at the Grenfell inquiry happening at the same time, you can literally count down... The steps that is oh, it's yeah. going to go down. It's going to be there's going to be some horrific revelations about two thirds of the way through, and everyone's mm. going to think, oh, they're going to come really down really hard on mm. whoever was responsible. And by the end, nothing will happen. Yeah, this is exactly the fucking same as you know, 
wanting an Orgreave inquiry, wanting a Hillsborough inquiry, all that shit. Mm. That's hard. But um, yeah, the thing with Lush, um, they were intimidated into stopping doing it because they got they got attacked hard. Um, yeah, there were a lot of um, like kind of knee jerk responses. Immediately, people were made aware of this. Yeah. Um, uh, Sajid Javid tweeted, never oh, thought I would see a mainstream British retailer running a public advertising campaign against our hard-working police. It's, well, of course he'd say that, because he's a fucking Home Secretary. There was one I found, uh, the UK cop humour. Um, uh, yep, yep. No. The latest... No, there is no. Oh, yeah, no. Run by ex... Uh, I think run by ex-coppers. Yeah, it exists. If I mean, it's on Twitter, so there's it, like if you can imagine it, it exists. It's the, it's the like Twitter presence of the police benevolent fund or whatever. You know, or you know, one of them who wanted to become a stand up after he left, the police. Like, you know, uh, they said uh, the latest advertising in quote marks campaign by Lush UK. You might now you might now expect a one hundred percent reduction in calls to the police, given that they're displaying their contempt in their shop windows. <laughs> You know that was fucking the same as um, I was watching that uh, LA ninety two uh, documentary on Netflix, mm. which was about the Rodney King riots, and um, I read a little bit before about from the sixties after civil rights, you had a lot of like police oversight committees being start to set up mm. because there was clearly a fucking problem with the police. Mm. Um, they you know they had to be forced into having these committees, these civilian yeah. committees, to oversee their activities yeah. and conduct inquiries, and uh, yeah, there was a. a with this LA 92 thing, there was the police commissioner of LA who'd been there since like the 70s who um, was called up in front and said like, you keep killing uh, unarmed black men and women. Uh, are you going to, you know, submit Stop. the thing? And what's the thing he threatened them with? He said, oh, well, uh, you shouldn't, you probably shouldn't call the police for a little while then if you take this action. It's their version of a, of a, a work to rule strike except they're the police. Yeah. They are the domestic military of yeah. our societies. Yeah. And so it amounts to that kind of blackmail. It's a protection racket. It's exactly, yeah. yeah. It's exactly that fucking um, thing. The only criticism of the campaign, which I have any time for, is as a couple of the women who had been raped by these coppers mm. who said that they hadn't had any warning, which is I a can massive oversight. And I mean, let's face it, let's, let's be under no illusion, like... They're just going for kind of the the ethical con- the ethical consumption. Oh, of the definitely, capitalism. definitely. The um, old, the, but the old body shop territory, yeah, but which on, they have on the plus they side, have staked out for a while. On the plus side, I think them doing it and then them quite publicly having to stop because of police intimidation does more good for anti-police feeling than if it had just been yeah. a campaign that ran for a month and then stopped. It's one of those weird things with because everyone got very like knee jerk and very like ranging from how very dare you mm. to actual death threats. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the more you get exposed to the behavior of an institution like the police, when it's put under pressure, mm. the better it is for, I imagine yours as well, our position of abolish the police, abolish yes. prisons, that completely that moving towards that kind of, um, yeah, that kind of sanction. Because like there was a story in Peterborough, they said, we have agreed to take, our display down because we got a couple of visits from ex-coppers. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, can you not see how maybe this is the kind of thing that makes also, people hate you? Just like, yes. And frankly, most middle-class like white people don't have that much direct contact with the police. No. And whenever you'd have direct contact with the police, I don't care how pro-cop you are, you hate them a little bit more. Yeah. I was um, 
I went into a lush on Sunday. Hmm. Um, because Lily's doing her exams at the moment, mm-hmm. the really big, scary ones. Oh. So me and Holly were going to go and get, you know, bath bombs and that kind of thing. So, you know, she could have a nice mm. bath every night, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So walk in, and it's just that thing of the staff in places like Lush and Body Shop, they tend to be young people, like under 25. Yeah, yeah. They, they've always got that quite, the ethical consumption shop smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, that kind of, it's forced, but it, I think it's slightly less forced, but it's still Uncanny Valley-y to me. Yeah. But also, the smells, and there's like, they sell henna. So it's like, <laughs> what henna are you doing, police? stinks. Yeah, no, but it's like, what are you doing, police? Like, you know, yeah. it's like the idea of like, in the olden days of them going into a shop that sells pornography in Soho, and like, throwing their weight around, and like, them being big yeah, men yeah, against, yeah, um, yeah. what's his name, uh, the Raymond Review. Uh, Raymond, yeah, Paul yeah. Raymond, yeah. Yeah, and being like, all like that. That's one thing, but when you're like this... Six-year-old retired copper fumbling in your in your pocket for what may be a blackjack to a twenty-year-old who's selling henna to teenagers. Do you know what I mean it's so perfect? It's so to, obviously British government. I had to have I had to have uh, I had to beat her head in because uh, she had a glitter bomb under the table. Yeah, she was armed with <laughs> glitter bombs, a body yogurt, fucking disgusting. Yeah, that was a weird. Yeah, I went to Westfield on Sunday. <laughs> Um, do you know all that thing for Carol hmm. Westfield yeah Westfield in Stratford hmm. it, like on a hot day it's even more like obvious the class dynamic in Westfield because it's always <laughs> been pretty bad like yeah. the very top floor is the fancier shops and it's more airy and light yeah. and then the middle floor where it's like the slightly more mid- the, slight, the middle ground of shops it's a little less bright it's still got a bit of air and there's still some nice food hmm. and then the bottom floor which very when on a really humid day feels like steerage <laughs> where the only food things are like um, spudgy like a McDonald's, so nice. it all smells like that it's like, need, because mate. it's hot. Yeah, and it's rammed, and there's no natural light. And I had to go down there to go to game. Um, <laughs> You're saying it's very much like the Titanic of shopping yeah, centres. Yeah, it's literally like that though. It's it's horrible that place. I hate it so much. It's such a weird feeling. Mm. Um, it was nice. I went to we, me and Holly sat on a nice bit of grass by the river. And then today I just saw that they're going to be. Um, Tearing out that nice bit of grass we're sitting on to build an, a, like another bit of the V&A there. <laughs> another piece of Tristram Hunt's handiwork. So yeah, the, the, the common line of attack seemed to be, oh, well, you're attacking all the police, all of our hard-working police. No, but I will if you want. And it's like, no, I can definitely do that if you want to talk about it, because it's, not, it's something that we never fucking talk about. And mm. even like, let's face it, the right wing of the Corbyn... Mm. Uh, oh no, they love Corbyn. The Corbyn movement. Even the middle ground of the Corbyn movement, like yeah, cops. It's Even very some much of the like the a... ground of the Corbyn movement, like cops. Um, mm. Because also, they... it's not liking cops. They see it as a good political wedge to use against the Tories, which mm. we've gone on about before. They're trying to try. They're trying to get into those habits of triangulation, which I just think fucking leads but no, nowhere. Like, no, all cops are fucking shit because not only so you've got like Mark Kennedy, who is a rapist and a scumbag, mm. and then you've got. It's not just him. Like, and this inquiry, they might talk about some other people around them. Yeah. But it's not... No, it's all of them around them who will cover for them now, Yeah. who will cover them for them then, who came up with the idea originally, mm. who were all party to all of this. Mm. Like, what, what happened... Like, the biggest challenge, institutional challenge to the police in the last 30 years, and it's just been... Uh, what's it? What's this? How long was Stephen Lawrence? It's just been an anniversary, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's ages ago. It's... Um, must be tw- it must be 25 years Some of the, yeah. I'd say probably yeah 25 years 1993 yeah. 2018 yeah um, 
biggest institutional challenge in the last 25 years was Stephen Lawrence. And what did the cops do in response? Not only did they hide evidence, not only did they not inform Doreen Lawrence how the investigation was going, they fucking implanted people in the anti-racism campaign that was forming itself around Doreen Lawrence in order to get justice. Yeah. You know what their response is. And the other thing like that's really interesting, when I was reading this book, I, I read it a few years ago, but mm. um, it definitely leapt out to me then. They never infiltrate, maybe because they already have and they've already kind of destroyed those things, they never, adver- they never infiltrate... National the- action. Well, I mean... Because uh, they already are in national they election. Do, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there have been a couple of police spies in like far-right mm. groups, um, but they very rarely infiltrate the ones who are actually looking to change the status quo entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, not No like judgment against like the environmentalist groups, Earth First and, and mm. the anarchist, anti-racist groups, mm. but like they have a specific remit of what they're trying to do. Those environmentalist yeah. groups were trying to... Like occupy Radcliffe upon Saw power station to stop it functioning and say, look, you, we've just stopped 150,000 tons of carbon going yeah. out into the atmosphere. Yeah. They were doing that, and then they expected to get arrested and expected to, you know, do that kind of thing. Same with the Heathrow protests mm. with, um, like, chaining yourself across Heathrow mm. and tarmac. Um, it's weird that this state institution doesn't really focus on threats to the state as much as it does threats to the collaboration between the state and capital. Yeah. It's the stuff... Yeah, but also to think... Those people I'm are in free. the way of capital. Yeah, They're yeah, not definitely. in the way of the state. So oh, yeah. would so still exist def- if they got all their way. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? I'm, well, still, I'm still, still you know pretty convinced that there must be quite a few coppers in, like, momentum circles. Um, yeah, probably. Just probably. keeping an eye on things. Yeah. yeah. Because... Maybe, I mean, I know maybe. in the old trot groups, the tro- the old trot groups would have been the ones that say, oh, yeah. we're going to overthrow the British state. Yeah. You know? But, um, but you know, that that's a long time ago. Yeah. That's like well beyond 40 years ago that, mm. that trots were in any way organised enough to even attempt that. And when they weren't attempting to, you know, like go into the Labour Party and do entryism and or do cover parliamentary rapes. stuff. Well, yeah. Or mainly cover up rapes, because yeah. that seems to be the main point of a lot of truck groups seems to be to set up <laughs> set up tribunals to slut shame rape victims. And like there's this whole thing of like, oh it's it's not all cops and you know, most of them like hard working and serve no, their community. And not it's a like, single one. No. No, I'm gonna what are you talk- what- and say, find me the nice cop, find me. What him. are you talking about? And as far as like not only is that a deflection of attention from what these cops were actually what these spy cops were actually doing, mm-hmm. but also like it's not that hard to see why they did it mm. it's like no you got directly in the way of um uh you, you got directly in the way of capital the state is capitalist mm. so they derailed them mm-hmm. they spe- it was specifically for that reason mm. how do you see the police as anything other than an organ to kind of disenfranchise people and oppress people if not in this particular instance yeah. look not even taking in all the rest of stop and search. And Whose lives are they supposedly saving? Yeah, like in stop and search, you can even pre- you can pretend, and they can pretend that they are reducing knife crime and stuff like that. Yeah, um, but you can't even pretend with this. Mm. Like, but what if the electricity had gone out in Nottingham and people couldn't have made their cups of tea? Yeah, and it's what like, like the stuff that pisses me off is like um, it was always the case that in the Cold War. Like Western societies, like lauded their liberalism. Mm. They lauded their civil liberties over, um, 
like the the Soviet Union or fucking East Germany, where mm. this kind of practice was more obvious. Mm. And you know, they said, ah, when the wall fell and the 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 Eastern Bloc kind of um, collapsed, they uh, released all the Stasi records. Mm. Uh, ah, a victory for freedom. Yeah. Now to monitor domestic dissent. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. It's so. Well, weird. I think it's like um, the it's the great tragedy of the fall of the Berlin Wall and the fall of the Soviet Union yeah. is that. While it existed, you had to have a modicum of workers' rights in places like yeah. West Germany. It was an actual impetus to seeing yeah. us as good and them as evil. But you had to have you had to sort of be a bit nicer. Yeah. Because of it, and then because the last when it all went meant that the last the gloves were off completely. Then and then it was like, well, we can just monitor anyone. Yeah. Like what? What state? What? What did it threaten? This the Earth. First, let's say Earth mm. first in Nottingham. What did it threaten mm. that was so bad? that the police needed to go undercover. Mm. It didn't, did it? No. Like, I understand the logic of states... It's not even a nuclear power station. It's a coal-fired power uh, no, station. No, no, it's a coal-fired power station. used to worst? come past it all the time yeah, yeah. when I was coming back down south. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. But yeah mm. Okay, so what's next? Because, mm. yeah, done. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably talk more about spy cops in the future, I think. Yeah, because uh, if it's... it's the, the inquiry is ongoing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of developments in that. Uh, yeah. We'll probably go on about that on another week. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, one of my favourite people... Mm-hmm. Neil Ferguson. Mm. I used to call him Niall Ferguson. Now I feel Neil is more appropriate. It's a more boring name. No, uh-huh. no offense to any Neils out there, but Niall has a Celtic glamour all its own. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't deserve any glamour. <laughs> he had some glamour for a while. So um, he's had to resign from uh, a senior leadership role at Cardinal Conversations uh, at Stanford University um, for. Having a load, sending a load of emails that were then leaked to the Stanford Daily, which revealed plans for opposi- opposition research research on Michael Ocon, a progressive activist on campus. Neil Ferguson had drawn um, criticism for inviting Bell Curve author Charles Murray, um, who has various race-based theories of intelligence. He does. He, has uh, quite he, a invite, few. he invited him to campus, and Neil Ferguson's specific role was to make the make Stanford campus safe. For racists, <laughs> um, he uh, the correspondence was between Neil Ferguson, his research assistant Max Minshall, and Stanford College Republicans president John Rice Cameron, who all refer to Ocon as Mister O. So he wrote to them, "A famous victory. Now we turn to the more subtle game of grinding them down." On the there's is there a good there's going to need a good voice for this. A famous victory. Now we turn to the more subtle game of grinding them down on the committee. The price of liberty is eternal vigilance. Some opposition research on Mr. O might also be worthwhile. <laughs> he thinks he's a hero. <laughs> he thinks he's the villain. He's he a, thinks he's the Joker. He's a teacher. That's like, in theory, that's his job. Yeah. He is a teacher. Yeah. He's different from that. He's like the celebrity university. Yeah, I know that, but you know, Um, still. Following that email, Ferguson listed the names of Cardinal Conversations committee members who he wrote should all be allies against Mr. O. (laughs) Unite against the social justice warriors. He instructed students to urging them to bury whatever past differences they may have for the common good. And the Rice Cameron replied, slowly we will continue to crush the left's will to resist as they will crack under the pressure. Fuck me. This was followed up um, after the usual kind of things about, God, can't conservatives even have ideas on campus anymore? Yeah. Um, 
you know, how conservatives are being locked out of the debate, how they're not welcome on university campuses. So much for the tolerant left. They took down my massive, gigantic statue of a phrenology skull (laughs) that I put in front of the... Well, it was, you know, it's always been very difficult for Neil Ferguson. It's always been very difficult for Neil Ferguson to get his message out, what with his weekly (laughs) columns and standing invitation to appear on the BBC whenever he wants. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's not His voice has always been... Like marginalised. That's not even including, you know, like Fox News mm. or any of the other conservative outlets here or in uh, or in America. Oh, God. Um, yeah, he wrote then wrote like a not mea culpa in the Times on mm. Sunday, um, saying, "I need to grow up and keep out of student politics, no question." But the context is important. Conservatism is on the brink of extinction in much of academia, especially in history. This isn't healthy. Um, From all of this, I draw two conclusions. First, it might have been avoided if conservatives at universities did not feel so beleaguered. There is a debate about whether free speech has been restricted on American campuses in recent years. I have no doubt it has. Uh, No! Middle of the road students live in fear that a casual remark will be offensive or triggering. I'm shutting it down. You've heard it. That's the thing. You might say, I don't want to hear it, but you've already heard it a thousand times this year. That's what fucking kills me about Neil Ferguson, right? Because I've followed him for a long time. He has similar interests to what I had when I was studying history. Which is the, the em- which is the Empire, and definitely yeah. on the other side. However, for a while, he, in that post-9-11 period, he yeah. definitely staked... He tried to do the Thomas Friedman thing of staking out like almost his TED Talk mm. um, persona. And he became more TED Talk as he went along. So he had the book Empire, which was just a straight up, the empire wasn't so bad, you wouldn't have the internet without it. You know, things like that. Then he went on to like... Well, if, the em- if it hadn't been for the empire, then they wouldn't have that lovely monument to the potato famine in Ireland. <laughs> which they're getting rid of. Or that Really? They're getting rid of because of um, the. it doesn't reflect the good relationships between Ireland and Britain. I mean, it doesn't. Specifically, it reflects the worst. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he had he went all anyway, down... Anyway, so don't say the Empire didn't give you anything. <laughs> he went down the, like... He did a book, like, Six Killer Apps of Western Civilization. Oh, fuck off. Which is um, already, slavery, like... Slavery, racism. It was, like... I can't remember all of them. It was, like, property rights, oh, f- law, medicine, law. science. And it's, like... Yeah, I remember all that non-medicine that China and India had. Yeah, all that lack of law that China and India had. I, it was it was bollocks. But he turned that into a proper, like, typical right-wing career in America. He left yeah, Britain because you know he he uh, he didn't care for it. Yeah. But the thing is that he he at least for a while was. He was openly engaging with some kind of discourse in history and trying to be rigorous. That's like, I could you almost... You being nice about him. That's me being as nice as I possibly can. Mm. Um, yeah, he was doing it to say, you know, all of any Indian person, your relatives dying of starvation, that was actually for your own good. Yeah. Um, ignoring all of the deaths and all that. But that's, So many people died in that's India. Why the are there so many yeah. people still there? Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Like, he was always like a more a more open imperialist in a time mm-hmm. when Americans were trying to fool themselves that they weren't an empire. Yeah. And that was, that, that, was, a was, good, funny that, was a, that was a fun time. That, that was about 2004, 2000, yeah. up to about 2007, I'd say. Yeah, it was funny. When he was going up and saying, you're the Redcoats now, which yeah. is a killer line. That's it a is. good line. Um, but he got, he went to America and he got sucked up. 
Mm. And all of his like, his, like his actual academic prowess got sucked up into this bollocks culture war stuff. Mm. You know, he well, it's um, much easier. He gave up his killer app, which was <laughs> that he was the only person who was going to tell Americans, uh, "You're an empire, but also China's coming." Yeah, you know. And there's like, um, like as you were saying when I was reading that, like at the times, like there's a million of him. Yeah. Especially now with the alt right, there's so many. You can go anywhere yeah. and find ten articles that are like his. Yeah. Well, you know, Taki still kids published. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Taki's got his own unique selling point, which is he's drunk and a drunken anti-Semite. <laughs> There's so few of them left. <laughs> there are, there are so few of them. Certainly printing, anyway. <laughs> he's been taught. He like gave a wreath lecture um, a few years ago about how wreath uh, uh, lectures are BBC lectures. They invite a prominent academic to do like four or five lectures. That sounds bollocks. Um, it's usually pretty good. It's a lecture. It's a university lecture. It's like Open University, but it's with a celebrity. Okay. Um, Sounds like bollocks. And he gave like a he gave a, a, a le- like the last of his lectures was about how um, uh, whether the modern state was killing civil society, whether modern capitalism, which is which you know yeah. it is, and I just don't think that he ever is he aware of how much he is killing it. <laughs> yeah, you know by this stuff, you know he's like he's coming over all um, Oswald Spengler about like Islam. You know, yeah, like because his um, wife is like a she was a Muslim his wife is and, Ayanna Hurst, Hurst and she's Ali, super anti-Islam. Who is somebody who escaped from uh, allegedly uh, an oppressive situation in Somalia mm. um, and has gone on onto the anti-Islam, the ex-Muslim circuit in America. Yeah, um, there's been some questioning of exactly how oppressed and exactly how much stuff she went through. Certain aspects of her story don't match up. Not qualified to say either either yeah, way doesn't. Um, you can probably find it if you want to yeah. um, he left his wife uh, for her as well a mm-hmm. little bit of gossip there a little bit of history gossip there's so, history li- gossip. so little history gossip <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah he, he like suddenly you know he, he always used to be the guy who was like oh you know great forces don't make history the mass of the masses don't make history it's individuals it's great guys like so it's me. A fundamental who make misunderstanding of history. A completely Victorian, like backwards Victorian yeah. view of history. Interestingly, he wasn't that keen on uh, the idea that only individuals made history as soon as he found out about Islam for some reason. <laughs> Suddenly it's every Muslim uh, <laughs> who are the great, you know, mm. hordes sweeping mm. over Europe and America. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's like. He's like all of them. He's like Dan Hannon, mm. who you sent me that thing today with Dan Hannon. Dan Hannon talking about Dutch how he TV. never wanted to leave Europe. He just wanted to like. Well, it's like he to does say he does say, a better deal. He does say he wanted to leave Europe, but he definitely does structure that sentence as if you're saying, uh, "Well, I just thought we'd go for like a slightly better customs union." Yeah, his plans uh, were for just us. His plans were to pack up his bags and get to the door, and then the EU wife would say, "No, no, come back. You can keep your yeah. your hotsy and your hootsy hoochie in the city." Um, <laughs> she in the city. Yeah, and but, the, but it's just a Margaret Thatcher but the, doll. But yeah, exactly. But the EU wife—that's his wife, also though. <laughs> but the EU wife didn't do that. The EU wife went like, "Yeah, fine." <laughs> but um, yeah, Dad Hans fucking awful. Yeah, it's just the degradation of all of these, like even conservatives who you could not like, but who mm. you could understand that they had something to them that they yeah. could stand up and make an argument. It's just, it's all turned into fucking Breitbart. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. all turned into like mouthy, mouthy cunts. It's easier and it's really fucking lucrative. Mm. Really lucrative. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, next topic, Elon Musk. Yep, one of the... Elon, long man. <laughs> He's not the long man. He is not the long man. He is man. nowhere near that beautiful. Um, one of the two faces of Janice that is, was PayPal. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the vampire Peter Thiel and the cyborg <laughs> monster that is Elon Musk. Elon Musk, yeah. He's had a... He's had quite a few weeks. Um, he's had quite the life. I mean, he's had quite the of life. Riley, but especially this last two weeks has been um, it's been pretty pretty hot for him. Um, mm. So it came out he was dating some uh, Grimes, yes. who I have heard one of her songs. I have heard, um, I have yeah. heard a sample of her, one of her songs with Scroobius Pip rapping over it. <laughs> that is all I know of Grimes. Um, so he kind of uh, and that put, picture of her with Hideo Kojima. <laughs> Two geniuses at work. Geniuses. Um, Kojima is no genius, but not going to start on that. As a whole, as a whole pod, as a whole future. That was on another episode. podcast. That was on this. That was on last week. <laughs> Don't feel I went into how much I hate Kojima on that. But anyway. Um, more importantly, um, he had an investor call with uh, Tesla, um, okay. where there were a load of accountants, and he um, on the phone call he he asked them to stop asking him boring questions. Of course, like. Where's the money, Elon? <laughs> Where's the money? I think I was quite clear about the, the money. money. <laughs> um, and he's had a few, uh, uh, like a few weeks of critical coverage about kind of working conditions and the finances of Tesla. Oh yeah, there was that lovely thing with. Um, well, it's not my fault. I just made it very clear to my staff that if they formed a union, they'd lose a load of benefits. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's called union busting, Elon. Ah, don't come at me with your boring logic. It's the thing, these tech, these tech people don't know what these things are. They don't know what busting a union is. I didn't bust them. I just said, you will lose your jobs <laughs> if you join this union. I just Even the word. I just like poison. I just locked the door on their um, daycare facility <laughs> while the vote was taking place. So, in response to this, um, he started tweeting up a storm mm-hmm. about uh, setting up a news service that would uh, fact check and rate the believability of uh, news stories. This went right over my head because this is when I was just ill and playing Mario Odyssey, wasn't it? Um, he accused the media of being dishonest, floated the possibility of building a service to rate the credibility of specific journalists and news outlets. He's going to... Uh, he said... I'm going to create a site where the public can rate the core truth of any article and track the credibility score over time of each journalist, editor, and publication. Like for- GoFundMe for facts. Yeah, like Verit. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Do you remember that? The the um, yeah the one the that Hillary dumb. Clinton uh, who is it? Um, Peter Dow. Peter Dow the murderer. Yeah, uh, the, he was at yeah. Sabra and Chitila, yeah, the, yeah, the Israeli massacre. Um, uh, for the Lebanese, hmm. he's uh, of Lebanese extraction. He tried to set up that kind of thing where it's like um, disputing claims yeah, yeah. made about Hillary. Um, but Elon Musk, visionary that he is. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely a visionary. Made up the, uh, said he was going to call this publication Pravda. <laughs> yeah. Which is all you good communists out there know was the name of the Soviet Union state newspaper organ. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> and now he could have been doing that as like satirical. I don't think he did because apparently, according to another report, um, one of the uh, 
<laughs> a man named Jared Birchall uh, incorporated a company called Pravdacore last year. Um, he also did the listings for a number of other Elon Musk of Elon Musk's companies. <laughs> so he he does own something called Pravda Corporation. My God. <laughs> oh, amazing. Elon Musk's not a, he's not a very smart man. Is he? I'm look. I'm not going to go as far as saying he's not smart. There are things he knows how to do. Like what? Like um, hustle the government for money oh, and yeah. research. That is a skill, is it not? It is a yeah. skill. Um, he did marry the same woman twice, the first time with a prenup, the second time without a prenup, and lost a lot of money on the second time. <laughs> nice. That was um, so actress Tallulah Riley? Tallulah Riley, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who played um, the TV version of my wife in her first TV series. Oh, <laughs> you love dropping that fact, don't you? That's great. And who played you, Hugh? <sighs> no, it was horrible, though, because he doesn't look anything like me, and he was terrible. Yeah, who was, is your, who is your TV avatar? Was Aaron Taylor Johnson or is it Aaron it. Johnson? Aaron Ta- he was Aaron Ta- Aaron, Aaron Johnson. Johnson now yeah. he's Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, yeah. but he Kick was ass. he was TV me. <laughs> he was terrible. Kick ass in that dirtbag in uh, Nocturnal Animals. Hmm. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, he was TV me. Yeah. I am significantly prettier. Yes, you are. <laughs> to a best Scouse accent. <laughs> did he do a Scouse? I, I imagine he did a Scouse accent for when he was um, John Lennon. Oh yeah, God, he played John Lennon as well, yeah. didn't he? But anyway, back to back to anyway, back to yeah. Muskie. Back to Muskie. Um, yeah, and then he tweeted up a storm. He uh, he referenced a news checking website that was run by that sex cult. You know oh, yeah, that Alison Mack got yeah the uh, one with the brand the branding women and yeah yeah the the sl- but, the sex pyramid scheme yeah sex Ponzi scheme yeah something like that um, that two people are now um, on trial for. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he quoted that. Um, as an ideal model for his uh, truth-checking website. Such a bold, philosophical statement. I want to get to the core Mm. truth. Even good journalism. Yeah. Like, it claims to have a researched version of the truth, but not like a core, unalterable, inalienable truth. I would be a fan of Musk. It's amazing. If he said that he's going to get to the core truth of everything... And then got like a giant, you know, like um, that ph- that Greek philosopher had the giant jar that he lived in. Oh, uh, Diogenes. Son of, I think yeah. it's Diogenes. Um, and then just wandered the earth with this giant <laughs> jar that he sleeps in, um, trying to find the truth of things. Well, apparently he is um, at the moment. Tesla's kind of up the wall. Um, yeah. It's not producing um, anywhere near enough cars. It's in quite a lot of debt. And apparently he has taken two sleeping in his office at the at the at the. The they're very factory. expensive cars. They're super fucking expensive. They're like thirty-five thousand dollars. And the only people, which I, is, I guess, around twenty thousand pounds each. I know one person with one, and he is really? the worst person I know. <laughs> like, by far, like PFI scheme bad. <laughs> yeah. So all of this has come into re- in response to. I mean, SpaceX is kind of up and running. It is putting some satellites in orbit, but. Awful lot of its rockets seem to keep crashing. Do they? Yeah. I don't know. I don't They're still. They are, I'm he's, not. It's not a a fully like he's still borrowing stuff from like the Russians <laughs> for like the rocket pieces. I'm. Yeah, I'm not that into space stuff. I, you know, it's all right. Once we set off some nukes, then the aliens will come and they'll introduce airships. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, a New York Times article in March. Yeah. Um, outlined the problems with Tesla. Its factory can't produce nearly enough cars to meet demand. Regulators have been sniffing around after a second fatal Tesla autopilot crash, and the company might need a second. two a second. Yes, 
Um, the company might need two billion dollars in cash just to get through the year. Oh. Um, last year, he kind of um, the the company was like worth more than Ford and General Motors at certain points, but that was just the stock, like the stock price. That wasn't any kind of, oh. as we all know, yeah. stock prices not exactly a reasonable kind of marker of how much a company's worth. No, Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Uber. Yeah. Uh, Everything. Net- Netflix. Did you see that thing? Netflix was like. Uh, valued at like three hundred and fifty billion dollars. I think that's working on the, in the last few days or something. I'm really looking forward to the last two streaming channels being um, Amazon and Netflix, and it we're going to be in a very much a TV equivalent of Alien versus Predator. <laughs> we're going to lose either way, except neither of them are like the kind of cool Predator. They're both the horrible dirtbag alien. <laughs> yeah, so he's doing that typical kind of billionaire thing of like he's literally doing um, Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Where you know his wife gets bad opera reviews, so like he buys the newspaper, yeah. or you know he he secludes himself. That'll be the next step, of course. He'll like build his giant geodesic dome, yeah, and you know forty thousand oh, acres of see, Californian I countryside. Is it Grimes the only woman he follows mm. on Twitter? Somebody did look that up. Yes, uh, apparently he is. <laughs> he's a grotty person. <laughs> he's just like. I think he's definitely like, we've got to that stage in the post-recession cycle mm. where we had our initial kind of burst of like, we were looking for, like people were looking for narratives. People yeah. were looking for what the future would look like. And there were so few of them. And one of the few, I think one of the reasons why he has such like devoted followings, like all of the stuff, all of the people who criticised him on Twitter mm. immediately get gang piled by mostly men aimed at mostly women I uh, saw, critics of him. I saw there was some of his fans. It's so weird. Like um, where you can do micro investments. It's mm. like, oh, if you can't afford a Tesla, just you know, give him five dollars. Yeah, they were they were talking about like crowdfunding his something something. Like it's ridiculous. This is a man who also on a Twitter binge. Was it last year? He did that Twitter binge and said, oh, how about if we make a load of flamethrowers? And then actually did. Like make a like make made fifty thousand flamethrowers. See Hank Scorpio. To sell. I think he. I wish he was. Hank Scorpio is quite nice. He actually. doesn't. Have he a, was nice to his staff. Hank Scorpio. That's why they all loved him so much. Yeah, because he set up a company town. Yeah, I love Hank Scorpio. <laughs> and you know the bums were allowed to. <laughs> the bums would not rush. They would go at their own pace. Yeah. Whereas in Elon Musk's company town, they will all have robot legs, <laughs> so they'll be able to run. <laughs> Yeah, Elon Musk is the—he's the billionaire that will, that will try and push for Soylent. He seems to sort be, of green, not this—the Joylent stuff. It's—I've been thinking about this a lot, like where he where he fits, and like obviously the wheels are quite literally starting to. Well, yeah. The wheels are starting to come off. Yeah. Um, and not go on to the cars he's trying to sell. Um, there's been various reports of like accidents at his factory. Uh, the Tesla factory, um, as you said, like they tried to unionize apparently last year, and there just happened to be a load of firings. It was just the economic climate. Tesla just wasn't making enough money. He's a big so, old racist you know. as well, isn't he? Um, that was oh yeah, shit, I forgot. That was the other thing when he was talking about the media. He um, somebody said, uh, well, what, you know, what do you expect? It's like a massive uh, uh, industry. There's a load of different voices. Like some most journalistic voices who you hear don't really even count as journalists. They're opinion columnists. Yeah. And he said, yeah, well, who do you think owns the media? Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would pique your interest. Can Just... I interest you in these three brackets on either side of your sentence? 
Yeah, I could see Elon Musk being an anti-Semite. Well, South African. Um, Just saying. Are, are, are white South Africans anti-Semites? I don't know. Do they have time to I be anti-Semites because I mean, they got all that? They spend all that energy like hating on Mandela <laughs> and hating on black people. Do they even have the energy? It's very hot. I mean, I imagine kind of the like as an institution, South African apartheid was probably not that anti-Semitic, considering how much you know help they took from Israel. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would guess that the as it does in most. Like far right and racist parts of yeah, I'd guess Eugene Tebbodge probably had some views on Jews. Yeah, I imagine somewhere along the line it, it kind of yeah. it leads into that because obviously if you're talking about like black people as like uh, intellectually and culturally inferior, yeah. some but if they if they win or if they keep coming at you, there must be someone driving yeah. them on. Yeah, definitely you know, that kind of like racist old racist trope. Yeah, um, yeah, he's got so many like Elon Musk. He's got he's got so many like initiatives and. He tries so hard to make himself seem like the savior, so it's kind of it, it's kind of understandable on his end that he comes out so hard against any criticism because, like I say, it's it's all starting to look a bit hollow. Mm. You know, he's got a um, so he's got a solar um, a company called Solar City, mm. which manufactures um, photovoltaic cells for yeah. solar panels. This was, you know, this was the Obama era kind of clean energy drive. Yeah. This was what was going to get everybody out of the, mm. you know, the green economy was going to get the, the world economy yeah. out of the slump and it was going to do a good thing while getting rich, yeah. right? Um, but China started manufacturing much cheaper photovoltaic cells and it um, apparently he's got a, a factory in uh, Buffalo in New York and uh, it's been empty. For a year, he started renting um, space out in its Panasonic because he can't sell them. Yeah, and it does kind of tell you something that, like, for years and years, we've been sold on this idea that if we wanted a better world, then we could have it, but only if we bought the right things, mm. only if we supported the right billionaires. Mm-hmm. And when you had like social democrats coming in, centrists like mm-hmm. Obama, like uh, Blair, probably Miliband would have done it as well. Definitely. Um, their idea was like when they talk when like the old thing about when they talk about what we need is the gusto of the private sector with the security of the of the state to back it up. Yeah. What they mean is we need the state because these billionaires aren't doing anything good on their own. So mm. we need to offer them inducements. Yeah. You can't uh, you, you you offer them tax breaks, you offer them subsidies. He's had an enormous amount of subsidies. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, uh, like there I was, know, that's the main, one of the main things I know about him. Yeah. There was something I was reading about him. Let me find it here. Um, yeah, about so he's had about nine point four billion billion dollars, uh, not billion billion, but nine point four billion dollars in government subsidies. I was reading up about like how he got the Tesla factory off the ground, mm. and basically he it was an old um, Honda plant, mm. and. Uh, Basically, he uh, it was an old Toyota factory. Sorry, um, it had been shuttered after the uh, economic downturn. Mm-hmm. He bought it from like the he bought it from the state of uh, California for about um, uh, forty two million dollars. Mm-hmm. Right, the factory was worth a billion dollars. It's a huge, huge industrial complex. Right. Okay. Um, he bought the factory from Toyota using a federal loan guarantee from the Obama administration. In order to qualify for the loan, he needed um, like to put in some of his own money. 
to like some money on yeah. behalf of him. So Toyota themselves, who was buying the factory off of, loaned like bought a load of Tesla's shares. So essentially, they gave him the money. To they gave him the money, the money to to prove uh. the money to get the loan from the government to prove that he could buy the flat the 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 um, factory. I don't know about you, but capitalism doesn't seem to work. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting how he was able to... Luckily, he was able to hire all the um, old workers back from the Toyota factory at half the rate they were earning before. Well, because they weren't allowed to unionise. <laughs> because they weren't unionising. Oh, my God. Yes. Such a scumbag. Um, the other thing that I found out um, during the thing was his that solar panel company we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Going out, going under, going out of business. Uh, he um, used Tesla. Tesla now owns SolarCity. He used Tesla hmm. money to buy... Solar City. <laughs> it's, oh. um, he's actually yeah, oh, <laughs> so dirty. Um, at least and obvious. <laughs> at least four of Tesla's seven board members were involved in Solar City as directors or chief officers. And in November of 2016, Tesla completed the acquisition of Solar City's property and obligations, paying $25 a share or 2.6 billion. Tesla's stockholders have since sued, charging that Tesla directors who own Solar City plan to bail themselves out, exchanging mm-hmm. their bad Solar City stock for Tesla cash. Yeah. While simultaneously loading up Tesla with Solar City's debt obligations. Uh. <laughs> it's like he's a. It's gonna be fun watching him collapse. Yeah, but he'll be looked after. Uh, he uh, he's got personal wealth. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't. No, matter. but I mean his like, business. Yeah. There'll be another business. It'll be you know he'll be bailed out. Yeah, because he'll be too. He will be too big to fail. He'll be too innovative to fail. Yeah, because he's become much more of a like uh, a social sign mm. a, a social like sign that things can get better mm. but only on their terms mm. you know you need to you need to get those billionaires in they're the ones they're the geniuses oh, he's so... <laughs> I hate I hate rich people so much <laughs> whoa that's a bombshell that's, yeah it's a proper bombshell coming from a communist it's like I really can't stand these billionaire capitalists <laughs> they're really horrible people it's just like it's They've privatised everything that's not nailed down. Yeah. So they end up starting to privatise things like like concepts. Yeah. Like futurism. Mm. So he's like, he's a big like um, sci-fi guy. Mm. So he's all about solar panels, electric cars and it's, mag tubes. Isn't he one of the ones investing in the notion that we're in the Matrix? Or did mm-hmm. he stop doing mm. that? Oh yeah, I'm the, not sure how much mag, he invested. And his, his mag tube bullshit, which, you know, his thing where he invented the bus. Hmm. I hate these people. And he's obviously the big guy for colonising Mars. Yeah. So when he's ruined it down here, yeah. he can just fly off to Mars. But it's a very specific, like, he's not just privatising the things that exist. He's privatising, like, all of the ideas. All of the ideas, like, if you strip them away, yeah. there's nothing wrong with having a mag tube system. Or It'd electric cars. Cool. Or... or electric cars, yeah. or solar panels on everything. Probably a good idea. Hmm. But... We're only going to allow, uh, be allowed to do it because a rich guy said so. And mm. it's going to be laid down on his patterns. Mm. And if you strip every one of the features of his like futuristic utopia away, mm. you're left with exactly the same thing, which yeah. is like the profit motive. Yeah. 
He will not do this thing. Tesla will collapse and mm. he will not do it again, mm. despite all of the kind of TED talks and the fucking investor and the, calls. We need to do it to save the world. And it's like, I am a hero. Yeah. I am a visionary. But a unless pioneer. he's being paid an absurd amount of money, he's never going to do it. Unless the profit. Like, Marx was l- literally right mm. in that the productive capacity of a society at a certain point will become held become held back mm. by the profit motive mm. because you strip everything away and that's all that that's the that's the one thing that can I say it's the only thing that matters it's the one thing that cannot be sacrificed in pursuit yeah. of the goal yeah you know he's going to dig that yeah. fucking the only people doing blue sky research are billionaire yeah entrepreneurs because they've 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 oh, with government money yeah they factored it out of everybody else who's like what if they've given him so much money which mm. they have they've mm. given him a staggering amount of money yeah um, why aren't the government just going to and they won't if Tesla fails yeah. why don't they just recoup it and put a, a state panel in charge yeah. like put it under democratic control you could, you could do you're literally already doing that except for the fact that your ideology tells you that the state cannot be in charge of anything yeah, ah. you know yeah um, I mean his fucking like his fucking bus idea mm. like he he totally is like he's He's one of those guys who thought the Phantom Menace was a really like compelling vision of the future. He designs all of his buses. Did you see his like bus? Yes, his I saw bus it. fucking design. It does. It looks like a CG artist from Phantom Menace got like <coughs> delusions of delusions of grandeur. Mm. It's and it's and the thing that the, the exception. What makes this different from a bus? And he said, "Well, you know, it'll be it'll underground. Be, it'll be clean. It'll be underground, and you know, it will it will run at a profit." Mm. And it's like, yeah. And it won't be filled with people that make you not want to ride the bus. So again, his personal. Well, I know he said that he's never got on a bus. Yeah, he's never got public transport. He doesn't life. understand it yeah. at all, and yet he's a public transport expert. It's like, well, I once got on a zeppelin. <laughs> the zeppelin from Johannesburg to New York, <laughs> throwing silver no, <laughs> throwing throwing gold gold Krugerrands <laughs> at the passing crowds. They loved me. <laughs> they all fled from Elon. <laughs> Elon the mad billionaire <laughs> throwing his gold grants. <laughs> yeah, Here actually no, throwing Elon. Tesla stock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for a long time he was just acting like he was him and Peter Thiel and all those like. What's tech- Peter Thiel doing now, other than drinking the blood of young people? Uh, I think he's an advisor to the Trump administration still. I think. Um, but he's still doing that kind of stuff, like longevity stuff, and I think he's planning another. Um, uh, libertarian Island or Libertarian Boat Initiative. But how could he be like out of the water when he can't cross running water? <laughs> <laughs> it's simple. He's going to stop the oceans <laughs> by blowing up the moon. I could see one of them saying like something stupid like that. Yes, we have lived under the tyranny of the moon for too far too long. <laughs> yeah, for too long we have been at the whim of the tides. Our tides have been at the whim of the the lunar cycle. And they'll put, they'll peg it as they'll say it's a feminist thing because the women have been too too long controlled by the cycle of the moon. So we're going to help <laughs> them out from their periods by destroying the moon. The two greatest opposition, like the two greatest oppositions to libertarian thought: the sea <laughs> and women. <laughs> so we'll stop them both flowing. <laughs> yeah, I could, see, I, could see, I could see one of those libertarian type people saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I was like, the only way of thinking about like people like that and and where where they're going right now is is like Gramsci's got a lot on um, 
organic intellectuals. Mm. So like intellectuals that come up alongside a certain class and articulate things in that class's terms mm -hmm. that perhaps it couldn't do it for itself. Now Gramsci's yeah. talking about like the working class. He's talking about basically like class traitors. Yeah. Uh, from the middle class and the bourgeoisie coming down and being able to organise workers. Yeah. The theory has its problems. But like you can definitely see it in this in, in these terms. Like people like Peter Thiel and Elon Musk are trying to articulate a new a new ruling class separate from like the old the old billionaires. Mm. Like like he he goes on Elon Musk goes on constant tears with um like old oil billionaires and fossil yeah. fuel billionaires. Yeah. Um because he's trying to compose Maybe not in those specific terms, but he's trying to compose his own ruling class. Mm. He's been waiting for so long. I mean, he's 40, I think he's 46 now. Mm. You know, he's waiting to get into that waistcoat and the monocle. He needs to drag the money bag alongside him. Yeah. You know, he's had it in wait in storage for so long. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, our kind of old... Uh, the old ideas, the old like utopian ideas, used to come from like artists and kind of intellectuals who maybe were attached to academia. Sometimes mm. not. I mean, Marx obviously wasn't attached yeah. to academia, um, and they used to come from from people like that. But they've kind of, it feels like they have slightly been pushed out. And and you know, people talk about like, oh, universities don't have diversity of thought, and it's like, well, it's because you demanded that they have diversity of thought to yeah. link it back to the Neil Ferguson thing yeah like you demanded that they had diversity of thought and that meant that you as a conservative you had to you had them like work a more capitalist work schedule mm. so they didn't really have time to for flights of fancy and things like that yeah. with you know probably like 90% shit mm. but maybe 10% stuff that was a little better and a little a little more of a kind of edifying or inspiring idea mm. but you've you've kind of privatized this um You've you've made them then work to the rules of the market. So like you've privatized the ideas industry. Mm. So you get someone like fucking Malcolm Gladwell who turns out book after book of shit every year. Yeah. Talking about like happiness is the new war. Yeah. Or something like that. You know, yeah. like, like shit like that. You've got thought leaders. Mm. They're not they're not researched. They're not particularly like no. embedded in in any kind of history or political. Um, Solution, which would be the like that would be the way out. Mm. That would be the way out of this fucking quagmire that mm. we seem to have found ourselves in. And you turn to like thought leaders. Mm. You turn to like you know that ther what's the name of the Theranos woman, oh, the I woman who could do the blood the blood transfer. Well, no, she, she um, claimed she wanted to. She, oh, Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah, I yeah. The, my notes. Yeah. The yeah to take samples of people's yeah. blood without using needles because she's afraid of needles and it yeah. doesn't work. Which um, she has just been, I think she got struck off of the board of Theranos or Theranos got a massive fine for huge fraud. Well, yeah, they would. And a few years ago, she was going to like TED Talks. She was going to the panoply of science conferences. Yeah. And, you know, science conferences, not like in the old sense, but ones that were set up basically like Comic-Con. Yeah. You know, yeah, because, because they weren't for, I don't think necessarily like science research or for pit scientists or for people who had ideas to meet each other. It's like, it's they like were, a convention for selling stuff. It was a, yeah, it was a, a trade convention. It was yeah. a selling because you had a particular compartment of our, our bourgeoisie, let's face mm. it, our business owners yeah. who decided they were the ideas guys. Yeah. And it just so happens that neoliberal society structures itself in a way that business owners are the only people who really get listened to. Mm. Um, it's fucking terrible. Um, you know, like all the, I think for all like the jokes about like, uh, like how Elon Musk is going to become like, um, 
a sci-fi villain or yeah, like Hank mm. Scorpio or anything like that. Like he is gonna get to it, and there's going to be nothing people can do mm. because he will end up. He might not end up getting. He won't, it will be the worst of both worlds because he won't end up getting like the super duper maglev um, bus. Uh, bus or transport system that he wants. But they he will get something that's like it, but that is ten times more expensive and replaces your bus. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And in that way, he a will, Tesla, an automated Tesla bus. Yeah. And he will he will keep pushing it and pushing it, and it will just it will take everything over because you can't through capitalism you can't produce that kind of stuff. You can it, no. it just it it won't happen. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. Our final thing couldn't possibly pass this up. I only read about it on Sunday. Oh, no, actually, I did read about it on Saturday. Sorry. No, I did read about it on Saturday. An article in The Guardian. Yeah. Uh, close to home. Stop reading The Guardian. Stephen, uh, I was pointed to it on, towards it on Twitter. Stop going, stop going on Twitter. Never. <laughs> you will never stop. They lead you down dark You will paths. not silence my voice. <laughs> I will lay across this kitchen, tweeting constantly. <laughs> like Martin Luther King would have done. <laughs> How I Eat... By Stephen Kinnock. Oh. There's nothing you want to know more about how that sexless robot, Stephen Kinnock, is it eats just, his food. Is it just that bit from um, Face Off where he talks about eating a peach? <laughs> is it just that? Yes. <laughs> no, he gets embarrassed by peaches. He thinks it looks too much like the naked physical form. <laughs> um, so it takes them through... It, they, they've had an on-running series. It takes them through three meals. It's an on-running series of... Is it just politicians? Asking, it's not politicians, it's mainly just people. It's just whoever they had in for another interview. Yeah. And they asked them... It, you get so two, Stephen Kinnock was there talking about how Jeremy Corbyn is failing the country because of Brexit. And while he was there, he talked uh, about how much he likes to eat nah. breakfast. Stephen Kinnock, right, is pretty cowed hmm. after last summer. I would say out of all of them, he probably lost the most face. Yeah, he did. And he didn't have a lot of face, and I mean physically, to start with. <laughs> um... He no, starts. He's got more face than normal because of the balding. Um, does that count long, as face? Long, face. long, long. <laughs> Kinnock. Um, he starts off with breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. Okay, what does he have for breakfast? I'm a creature of habit. Of My breakfast is always a bowl of porridge and an orange. I chop up the orange and chomp on the inside of it. It doesn't look great on the plate after I've finished, but it's quick and easy and better than orange juice, which has so much sugar in it. Now... A lot of people on Twitter have been trying to work out exactly how Stephen Kinnock eats an orange from that description. And I'll be honest, I have a vague clue. He chops it up and it makes a mess. So, you know, the most important thing is... Does he do to it what that black bodybuilder did to the grapefruit from that (laughs) years ago? Yes. I imagine he does that. With slightly less acid burns. (laughs) Um, Does he make uh, teeth out of them, like the end of The Godfather? Maybe. Um, Most importantly... What Simpsons quote is the most appropriate here, right? Okay. Is it um, uh, Homer pushing an orange into his eye? Okay, yeah. Is it that? That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it uh, like the like eating the turnip? Uh, the yeah, the turnip at yeah. the end of the uh, the lemon the, the lemon tree episode. Yeah. Um, or is it Grandpa just saying eat the damn orange? Yeah. That's the pretty low hanging fr- low hanging fruit. <laughs> is it low hanging fruit? Does he hang from his kitchen and hang low <laughs> and try and eat the orange like that? Is I think that, he. I think he pushes it. Just tell his, me how he eats the orange. I think he pushes tell it against me. his head. Tell me. <laughs> um, 
He continues, I grab a flat white from Costa in Westminster Tube Station. They know me now, so when I walk in, I don't even have to order. Because I've got it there, pre-spatting. <laughs> when they say a flat white, they were talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, lunch. I like Portcullis House's restaurant, which does things like jerk chicken or cod with vermicelli and broccoli. And it's heavily subsidised. I try not to eat at my desk. I don't like the smell of food in the office. You are not dispelling your kind of weird Westminster bubble. Are staff allowed to eat at the office or do they not get to eat all day because they're working so long? They, I imagine they get a prep. That's what most people do there, don't they? Um, I imagine they're not allowed to eat until the end of the day. No, they're, they're not that busy. Stephen Kinnock's research staff. Poor dealing with all the people being mean to him on Twitter all day. <laughs> um, Blocking calls from his wife saying, why are you doing this? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> just got them, just once a day. Yeah. Once in the morning, while he's eating his orange... Oh, he's he pushing his orange into his head. And he's <laughs> saying, why are you doing this? <laughs> when his mouth is full of delicious pulp. <laughs> when he's... Using his ovipositor to like suck oh. it up. I'd like to point out that I've just realised that's the second ovipositor joke we've made on the pod Is in it? 57 episodes. We did one about Nick Cohen um, oh, yeah, a few he does months like ago yeah, because he, he like looks like he has an ovipositor. He does. But I can only imagine that Stephen Kinnock has some kind of internal ovipositor where he puts the like orange tongue, segment like up Like a hollow to his tongue. Mouth. Yeah. You know, like a. <laughs> yeah. You're making Kinnock even worse in my head. <laughs> uh, snacks. Okay. I have a weakness for the rock cakes in the members' tea room with a cup of tea around three, three or four o'clock. Aren't they those very, very hard cakes? <laughs> Are they full of raisins or something? Um, I think they can have raisins. They're not that bad, actually. They're pretty tasty. I don't like cakes with raisins. Fair enough. It's disgusting. Um, they're mainly rock because it's like an old World War II thing. They last for ages. They last on a plate. You put them out on a plate and they're the same when you put them out as when you dispose yeah. of them at six o'clock in the evening. Um, if you want an old school foodery, you need to see it. It's open as long as the house is sitting, often up to midnight, for comfort foods such as sausage sandwiches and carrot cake. You get paid on the side, Steve. Fucking hell. Um, dinner. My wife, Hella, and I are quite lazy. And when, we, when you get home at 8pm, you can't be bothered to chop things, so I will get ready-chopped vegetables and chicken from Tesco for a stir-fry. I cooked more when the kids still lived with us. I like to follow a recipe exactly. If it says cut the onions into 1.7mm slices, I will do that. Oh my god. That's it. He's That's awesome. the article. <laughs> now, top marks, mostly, for not retreating into authentic posturing. I will give him that. Yeah. He doesn't talk about gravy. He no. doesn't talk about the proper way to have a cup of tea. No. He doesn't talk about I don't understand coffee. Any of that shit. He doesn't so pretend to be. He doesn't pretend to be more Welsh and say he just eats faggots and peas or yeah, something like that. Yeah, he doesn't say like he has them especially flown in. Yeah. You know, like a normal working class MP <laughs> has results normal flown way. in from, from Port Albert. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, the robotic yeah descriptions of how you could None have of just that said sounds he like had, he enjoys food. It really doesn't. Now, there are some people who don't enjoy food, which is fair enough, hmm. right? But it's just the way he says, like, um, oh, I get ready-chopped uh, vegetables and chicken from Tesco for a stir-fry. If it says cut the onions into 1.7mm slices, just I will it do pre-cut, that. though? Does he send it back yeah. if they're not cut into the right kind of sizes? Also, what Does recipe he is he reading that says that? Yeah. I've got a lot of recipe books. None of them say that. I'm assuming he's he's somewhat, like, playing it up, but... I've seen that man in action and I could honestly believe that if something tells him that there's a specific size of onion mm. to chop it, he does that. Mm. 
he does that specifically. He gets a ruler. Maybe he doesn't need a ruler. Maybe there's he is the ruler. There's something intensely depressing about pre-cut vegetables, pre-cut meat for your stir fry. It's so. Um, the thing is, that's that's the one bit that had the echo of slightly authenticrat, except middle class authenticrat. Well, it feels. It's like... the kind of thing Tony Blair would have said before he got elected to to say that. Oh, I'm just a normal middle class dad. Um, Isn't it? It's the kind of thing that Egg would have done in this life to prove he was a grown-up. Yes. Yeah. Stir-fry is that perfect... That's why I'm depressed about it. Yeah. It's pretty depressing. He's not even doing a good, like, kind of stir-fry thing. He's not not making something good, like dandan noodles or something good. No, he's making terrible food. And also, like, he says about um, oranges, that uh, uh, my orange slices are quick and easy and better than orange juice, which has so much sugar in it. I've got something to tell you. The sugar Uh, in orange. There's... Quite a lot of sugar in your orange, probably as much as in your I orange know. juice. I, know, it depends on what orange I mean, I imagine he only drinks not from concentrate. I love concentrate. I do love I want concentrate. Like, because it's so hot, I'm on like a proper pineapple juice concentrate binge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Full of ice, like. Yeah, just, oh. mm. But he's. There's no. He does. He, he pushes the orange against his head. That's what he does. He pushes the he orange his boring into, rock the, into, cake the and tea. Eye, into the eye. Yeah. And the eye, his sharp eye, uh, <laughs> slices it and processes it through the food brain. <laughs> I don't actually like he does sound he does sound kind of robotic. He sounds like tired, and I think like mm. that's what I definitely got from that documentary we watched. Um summer of the summer of labor. Yeah, yeah. Um the summer of yeah, labour, whatever it was. Um that he is intensely bored and depressed, and yet caught up in being an MP. Oh yeah, you very much got the like um, the thing with like the onions. Yeah, that's literally why he was still doing. He still had all of those interviews ready for after the election, even though it didn't go the way he thought it was. <laughs> that is literally why, because you know he does. Yeah. Once he's decided to do something, it will take his wife to say, "Why are you doing this?" and forcing him to stop to make him stop. Well, it, I mean, she says, does she say that to him every day? Because what he's actually doing is computing exactly the amount of onions he'll need for his stir fry. <laughs> and so he gets lost. And what then I'm has like, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? You don't have anything to say. I do have something to say. What I'm saying I is have this exact recipe for a, stir, for a chow mein. Is Stephen Kinnock needs someone with him at all times? Because <laughs> if the traffic lights say you can cross, but a car is still coming, he will walk in front of that car. <laughs> Unless someone stops him. Because the light said he can go. Yeah. And that car coming, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> That's just Corbyn Easter propaganda. Oh yeah, the red man to stop. <laughs> stop Labour's modernisation process and take us back to the 70s, eh? eh? That's what I call him, Jeremy Corbyn. The red man. The Kinnocks get worse, don't they? I'm looking forward to the next one. Kinnock the third. Is there a Kinnock the Third? I'm sure they've got kids, so yeah. maybe one of them will. Oh, actually, well, yeah, of course, the yeah. article said it, didn't maybe it? Maybe one of them will run for something. I'm looking forward to. Actually, no, not like the Jack next. Straws. It's not the next Kinnock. I'm waiting for like the sixth Kinnock that's going to have like a Habsburg chin, because <laughs> of all the inbreeding, the Westminster inbreeding of. Um, well, no, he'll have the chaos gene, so he'll become <laughs> like new Stalin, neo Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> well. I don't yes. think of Stalin as that chaotic. Maybe no. Neo Trotsky. Okay. Neo Lenin. <laughs> the Neo Zapatista. Yeah. Um, um, uh, that's us done for this week. Yeah. Um, I was on a pod this week. I was on someone oh, yeah. else's. Pimp that. Um, there's a podcast done by a friend of the show called Rob. It's called Misspent Youth. And it's a, 
It's a queer gaming podcast. It's very nice. It's lovely. I've listened listen. to the first two episodes. They're fucking really, really good. Yeah, it's lovely. It's really a different good. way of looking at computer games. Yeah. That's really nice. It's yeah, excellent. So give it a listen. Cool. Uh, yeah, so for us, that's us for this week. Mm. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. You can follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. Mm. You can follow me at BM Bergamo and Hugh at Tanner Smashing. Yep. And that's episode 57 in the back. Cool. We'll Thanks. see you later. Bye. Bye. I love my country. Indeed, I do. But all oh, that war has made me blue. I like fighting. That's my name. But fighting am the least about the fighting game.